Welcome into the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. I'm your host, Rob Warner, and today we have reporters Jack Harris, Mason Kern, and as always, big boss man, site publisher, Chris Cartman. Fellas, how are we doing today? Rob, I'm doing good. Uh, just want to check with you guys. Like, do we do the I told you so part of the podcast now, or wow. do we wait until wow. we get more into basketball? <laughs> oh, Let's hear it, Jackson. Come on now. I mean, I, so I didn't text you guys after my Jack. my prediction came true. But, amazing, uh, yes. amazing performance I by Jack it. Harris. He said that ASU was going to be 2-1 and one down the stretch, and I think the rest of us... I think you didn't text us because you knew that we were all thinking it anyway, so you knew oh, yeah. that it was Somebody did. Somebody pointed it out on the board, and somebody I was did. super excited to see that. Yeah. The people pay attention, Jack. The people pay attention. You got it, Jack. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was a skeptic, but I, I, I know that you were uh, not feeling good about that at various points in, in both of those games at ASU won in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, when you get blown out by, what was it, 25 points or whatever at Oregon, yeah, it's not good. Um, and then when you let Arizona come back from down eight in the second half, also not good. But uh, that final seven minutes, was uh, that was another one of these stretches for ASU that it's just like, wow, they can be really good, but not, <laughs> not very often. Yeah, uh, well, let's jump right into that game, the Territorial Cup. ASU obviously won the game. 72-64 to 64, down in Tucson. Got the sweep over U of A for the first time since 2008-2009 when James Harden played for Arizona State. What do you guys want to talk about first with this game? There's so many storylines. You know, Remy with his incredible 27-7-8 performance. Uh, Lou and, and the, the success he had early. Sean Miller and the weird post-game comments he had. What do you guys want to start with? Uh, I'll turn to to Lou. Just hit hot start coming out of the gates in that game, and then runs into some some foul trouble early on. Has to sit. He so, ran his mouth into some foul trouble. Is yeah, it, is. technical foul. So how do you feel about that? Yelling into the crowd, and getting a technical. He didn't. I, he wasn't yelling into the crowd. He okay, was, so that was incorrect. the player. Okay, I saw that taunting saw that the player who he hit a three pointer yes. over, basically. Um, and it's okay to play with emotion, in my opinion, at least. Uh, but but I feel like refs, especially in rivalry games, rivalry situations, are gonna be more sensitive to the taunting, to the to the high levels of emotion. Um, so so granted, do I think it was technical worthy? Probably not. But because emotions are running high already. I guess I might understand where the ref might be coming from in that situation, but at the end of the day, I mean, Lou Dort comes out hot right out of the gates. I think he was three for three or, or four for four at that point. Yeah, three he, for three. Hit his first two threes right. Right, right before he got the two fouls. Right, and then has to sit, right. kind of changes momentum a little bit when, when you start out hot and then get a technical right. foul and have to come out of the game. But, I mean, I think his impact in limited minutes was was pretty essential in ASU's victory. And Chris did predict that foul trouble could become an issue for ASU, as it has the past couple games. I, I think it's important to note that this is a team that has continued to be in foul trouble. As Chris has said, though, it's because of the rotation they're playing right now. Without Tayshawn Cherry, they're really limited, and it just puts extra pressure on the guys that have to play a lot of minutes. And that's like predicting it might rain when dark clouds are coming, you know, especially when they didn't have one of their eight key players in the rotation, Tayshawn Cherry. Um, so you have seven guys. The Pac-12 refs, they, they tend to really be a little bit too aggressive with the whistles, I think, in my opinion, anyways. Kind of building off what Mason was saying. But um, 
I think with rivalry games, the 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 officials are trying to like keep that in check early on. They don't want to let that kind of emotionally get away. And Dort was talking smack on Ryan Luther as he was going back down the down the down the court. I don't know what he said. You know, maybe the ref heard something in particular that was said. I actually asked Dort about that yesterday, and he kind of laughed about it. And he let's put it this way: he didn't he didn't say that he did not deserve the technical foul. So, um, you know, but then he, he said that the, the third foul where he like jumped on a, on a, on a ball fake and, uh, you know, above the three point line, he said that was really the dumbest one that he got. And that did hurt, uh, ASU of course, but it really, to me, it was, it was the absence of cherry and a poor performance by Rob Edwards, who didn't make a field goal and Dort's foul trouble combined uh, against an Arizona defense that plays a pack line. They don't really try to allow you to dribble through them. And ASU didn't have the perimeter shooters to be able to stretch the floor, made just one three as a team in the second half. And even with all of that, Remy Martin is still getting wherever he wants with the ball. Right. And he was he was making some trick shots off the glass, some high degree of difficulty. But um, he had just an unbelievable performance. And, and I, I think it's something that, ASU fans are going to remember for a really long time, especially in the context of, of as you said, Rob, earning that that sweep for the first time in a decade. I will say, too, that with all the foul trouble and with without Tayshawn Cherry, who honestly has played very emotionally throughout this season, so, I mean, you could argue that he might have gotten a technical foul if he had he had played in this game at some point. But Elias Valtonin, I thought, provided some some pretty good minutes for ASU just, mm-hmm. just in, in Cherry's absence and with the, the foul trouble going on. I thought Valtonin proved that, that maybe come next season when he might get some more minutes that he'll be a valuable asset to this ASU team. Well, the thing about Valtonin is I'm not sure that he stylistically is a great fit for their just kind of raw emotionality and the way that they kind of are an up and down team. He's more of a controlled player. And I think he's had to, he's had to sort of adjust his style to fit in uh, when he's been out there. And, but he definitely looks a lot more comfortable and I agree he, whatever his minutes were six or seven minutes. Uh, he had a couple rebounds. He had a really nice assist. Yeah. Uh, and he played good defense. So uh, I think you're right. Building off of that in the next year, uh, especially with ASU probably losing a couple of their key guys, that's going to be a big factor. So did ASU need this win, Jack, for its its postseason push and, and just for the season overall? Um, Probably. I, I don't know about, like, if they had lost this game, they certainly – like, they could have lost this game and probably still had a path to make the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. I think what's more important about winning this game and sweeping Arizona overall is just – it's such a rare accomplishment for the program, uh, and it's something that, in a season that's had as many ups and downs as this one, I almost kind of liken it to to football winning against Arizona this year. It gives you something like tangible at the end of a season that has been inconsistent. You're not sure what to make of it. It gives you like a tangible thing that 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 this team can 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 grasp to and say, "Look what we did. You know, we beat Arizona. We finished twelve and six in the Pac-12, which even though the Pac-12 is down, that's a really good finish just in historical context of what ASU normally does. Um, And it gives them some good momentum going into the Pac-12 tournament, whereas otherwise I think they're probably entering the tournament outside of the NCAA tournament field or or right on the cut line. It gives them a little bit more breathing room. And 
just after a couple weeks of really inconsistent play was a nice way for them to finish their season to have a nice achievement that again it just it doesn't come around they didn't win the conference this year when it was probably when when they should have been more competitive in the conference race but to at least sweep Arizona to, to finish second place pretty easily um, those are good things to to be able to check off even if they didn't do it in the most appealing or the least frustrating way and for a guy in Bobby Hurley that has really not coached ASU very well in conference play or or maybe that's the wrong way of putting it the team hasn't done very well in conference play for the majority of his four-year tenure uh, with Arizona State but this year 12 and 6 that's a pretty good clip you know they still struggled on the road this season as they have in the past I mean really six seven years overall but they're showing improvement in conference I think that's got to be one of the bright spots certainly uh, for the program how do we perceive ASU's regular season finish after the Arizona game now? Look, I think Jack had some good points, but the, the ASU historically uh, has been much less talented than it was this year, and the Pac-12 has been better than it was this year. And so I look at it in terms of uh, did ASU achieve its potential? with this particular team? And I think the answer is no. I think that even they would tell you that they didn't, if they were being really honest. Mm-hmm. They they know that they lost some games that they should have won. And maybe they won a couple that they, that they you know, that were borderline, like beating Kansas, beating Washington at home. But uh, overall, I think they probably should have been an even a win or two better, at least. And I don't think that we should even have been talking about this team as a bubble team at this at the end of the regular season, this isn't that that type of a team. Uh, Arizona is, is the, the worst that I've seen in a lot of years. Certainly since that transitional period that uh, it, that the school went through between Lute Olson and then getting to Sean Miller uh, with Kevin O'Neill and, and all that stuff, that was bad. Right. Um, and and UCLA is really historically poor. USC's done bad job with its with its talent uh, and. Cal is as bad as you're going to probably ever see Cal and uh, Oregon lost its best player and, and got better of at late in the season. Colorado got better late in the season. Utah's a, you know, a pretty good team, but man, I just think that this, with this talent being the best that I've seen at ASU, at least since 95, maybe even the best that some people say since the early eighties, uh, I, I don't think that 12 and six was, was really good enough, but then you have to also say at the same time that if ASU gets back to back NCAA tournaments for the first time since 1980, 81, that's an unbelievable accomplishment for the overall trajectory of the program. Mm-hmm. And when you have also whatever it was, 11,000 plus fans who, uh, came on average to watch games and third in attendance that that those are things that you can that you can build off of and one of the things I'm going to be writing about when the season ends is is about the the really difficulty in in projecting or seeing when the inflection points might be in ASU basketball history because the, the previous you know generations you 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 saw that and then it didn't materialize so the, the open question now is whether or not Bobby Hurley is going to be able to take advantage of what he's done in the last couple years 
in a way that his predecessors were not able to. Ned Wolk didn't take advantage at the tail end before things went south, and then he was fired. Bill Frieder had things really going in the mid-'90s, and then scandal and problems through that through the program into turmoil. Rob Evans had a period of time where he had Ike Diagu, and they went to the tournament, and, and Diago was still young, and they, they, they couldn't build off of that. And then, of course, we saw what happened with James Harden and Herb Sendek's inability to capitalize on that. So every time that they've been in this sort of a similar situation, and maybe not as good of a situation, but in a similar situation, they've they've dramatically backslid, actually. So I want to see what's going to happen in the next couple years before I say that they've actually taken a big step forward as a program. But that's why I say, Rob, that it's important to maximize the opportunities that you do have. And while even though this will be considered a pretty good season, it probably wasn't to the degree that it could have been for ASU. Um, I mean, you you look at the regular season and this is where uh, Chris and I are going to applaud ourselves. We predicted 21 wins, 21 and 9 as well. Did I say 21? I'm pretty sure I said 21 too. You said 20. I might have said said 21. I might have said 20. I said 21. they played San Francisco, maybe there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Look, the bottom line is we were all very close. We were within a game. But I didn't think they'd be 12 and 6 in the league. I thought they'd be, you know, 10 and 8 or maybe 11 and 7. And what's interesting about like they ended up about where we thought they would. Yeah. But I certainly like back at the beginning of the season, we were saying this team should not be quite, it shouldn't be quite as up and down as last year's team because they were supposed to be able to rebound better, play better defense. This was supposed to be a much more consistent team than even last year's was. And what's really amazing to more, me, more upside. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like they, like maybe they didn't have quite the offensive ceiling that last year's team did, but the talent level was better. They were supposed to be better defensively. And it was all supposed to mean that whereas last year's team was so up and down this year, maybe they don't get some of the big wins instead. Like, like this is like last year turned up to 11 with, with what they did. I mean, at least last year's team was competitive in all the games they played for the most part. They didn't really take any horrible losses. I certainly don't think like anybody expected this year to play out the way it did, where you lose to Princeton and Washington State, and yet you still beat the best team in the conference. You beat Kansas. You win the the non conference event in Las Vegas. Um, it's just very interesting to me. I was reflecting mm-hmm. I, on. I that will today. say though, I, I will say though that um, I, I said I'm sure, and I, I'm sure that you guys agree also, is that th- this was a team that had the the, the potential to be peaking into March. We thought, oh, definitely. We thought that before the season because they were so young and they had so many new parts um, that were going to be integral to their success. And so when, they, when they've won five of the last six games, that's an indication that they were, you know, sort of. What happened was, as you guys know, they Dort came out like gangbusters and was doing great. Right. But the competition overall was lower in the non-conference. You know, they played some big games, but overall a little bit lower. That made it easier. When they got into the conference and, and the coaches scout better and maybe the yeah. talent's a little bit better, they really struggled initially. Um, they did worse out of the gate than we expected. But then they, they, they finished pretty strongly. And I don't know. Like I, One of the things I asked everybody yesterday, uh, is this team – better when it knows it has to win like is this a, a team that's built for a single game elimination style format because it seems like they almost uh don't appreciate 
the need to win when they're playing against Princeton at home, they're not having a sense of urgency that they if they think they should beat Utah at home. They don't maybe don't play as hard even within games. So I'm curious what what you guys think about that, and also it, will we see ASU play at a higher level even than they have demonstrated to this point in the season where everything sort of clicks and they're they're better on the defensive end and on the glass when they know we win or we go home, so to speak, and especially because look. They're not a lock right? If, in the NCAA tournament if they lose on Thursday. Right? We think they're probably in, but we don't know. that They don't know. Nobody knows. Yeah. What do you got? I mean. I, I don't see any reason. I think that they will definitely. I, I know you're not saying this, but I don't think they're going to play better because it's win or go home. I okay. think this team is a very inconsistent team that has brilliant flashes and then flashes where you ask if they're a power five team. So they are who they are. Yeah. What do you? What do you? They are who they are. They are who they are. Gonna, they are who we thought they were. <laughs> what do you think we're gonna? We're gonna? Are they gonna squeeze more out? I I don't think so. I think they're gonna play as well. Anybody? They have they have a chance. ASU to play fans well. want to hear that they're gonna squeeze more out. No, I mean they have a Nobody chance the to, to make a run. I think I think most teams in the Pac-12 tournament have a chance to make a run, especially the top four teams. I just I don't see them as much more than an inconsistent team that hasn't been able to use its potential in a large string of games. I mean, I think they're still playing for something. They're playing with a purpose at this point. They know, I mean, they know as well as we know that they're not a lock, even though that, yeah, their last three road games, they, they did go two and one. I don't but, know if they know that. I think they think they're pretty safe. Bobby's comments make me feel like I, they all think they're pretty but, safe. But they're not going to play like that. They're, yeah, they're not going to play like that. They know that, that yes, they still have to, in the Pac-12 tournament, hopefully, I mean, they're going to try and win the tournament, obviously. So the fact that they're still playing with a purpose and that they're, they're still fighting for something is, I think, an, an indicator that this team still has juice left to squeeze out and might, and might make a, a run in the tournament. I mean, I don't think the problem is so much like they've lacked uh, intensity this year. They, they have a points, but I don't think that's been the biggest problem. I think the biggest problem is they just – it's not – they don't have like a, a real consistent, sustainable style of play. So, yeah, they might feel more pressure like, oh, we have to win, but you don't know how that's going to manifest itself. It might end up manifesting itself in – like what we saw in the Colorado game where they're tied with seven minutes to go. Okay, it's crunch time. That was a really important game for them. And instead of playing better, the the, the offense fell apart, really discombobulated. Now at the end of this Arizona game, they score on 10 of their last 11 possessions when it's a tie game and Arizona mounted a run in the second half. So maybe, but I, I think it's more like this team is so inconsistent that if you turn the intensity level up, you turn the urgency level up. I don't know if that if that's going to necessarily translate into, oh, they're going to play better basketball. I don't think playing harder means they're going to play better. But what, what about what? But but I think focus is part of that though. And they 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 maybe maybe it's not energy. Maybe it's a lack of focus at times that leads them to taking bad shot selection or having defensive lapses. Uh, I mean, maybe. But I think like I the way I look at it is all right. If you're going to tell Lugan Stort, okay, win or go home. I think that there's just as much a possibility that he starts to try to force things or Remy Martin starts to try to force I things. I think than, Remy Martin less so than Lou Dort. Yeah, but that – and I think that applies to the whole team and not just those couple players. So that's that's the way I look at it. But, I mean, you don't really ever know how teams are going to perform in March. Right. That's why teams that are, you that's know, 10 and 11 seeds – Yeah, can – and especially ones with as much talent as ASU – you would think have the capability, but I think I said a couple weeks ago, I'm 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 kind of past the point expecting 
expecting this team to find a different level of play regardless of what the circumstances that are. That we can agree on. I'm with you on that. I, just, just, just the unpredictable yeah. nature of it, and, and we don't really know what we're going to see. It's also just a lack of identity, kind of like what Jack was saying. They don't really have an identity on, on, on offense, at least, except on defense. I mean, on defense, they kind of know who they are, um, which I think will, will play out well in the tournament. Um, okay, well, Arizona State heading to the Pac-12 tournament next week going to take on either Stanford or UCLA, the 7 or the 10. Who do you guys think is a better matchup for Arizona State? And if it was Stanford, you have to assume that Casey Akpala would be back playing. He didn't play in ASU's win over Stanford at home. ASU lost to Stanford on the road. They got killed in that game by 14, 15 points, I believe, on the road. That was the game. All-Stars Island, Cheatham, uh, Came late to the game, made the game, but that was the day of his brother's funeral, so it was an emotional day for him and the team. I, I think UCLA is probably the better matchup. Kaziak Paul is the best player for either of those two teams. Neither are great outside of him, so if you can avoid him, I think it's better for ASU. I, I, I agree, actually. I know that maybe surprises Rob, but I think that UCLA is clearly a more poorly coached team. <laughs> well, that's true. And That's certainly true. I, I, just, don't, I just don't think that they're going to – that they would do as good a job preparing for ASU or, or figuring out creatively how to how to attack or defend ASU. I would agree with that, um, especially just because of the problems ASU's had uh, with Stanford, especially when Akpala is playing. But Stanford's also a, a longer team than than UCLA, a little more athletic in their in their forward play, and that's going to give ASU some trouble just in terms of rebounding it on the glass. And I know ASU that's been a strength of this team this season, but I think Stanford pre- presents more problems than UCLA does in that regard. So so I think the matchup for ASU is is better in terms of facing UCLA. I, I would say UCLA is the scarier matchup because they've got a lot of talent. Yes, they're poorly coached, but I think that's a reason that they're the kind of team you don't necessarily want to face. They've got good shooters. Stanford has a lot of talent too, though. No, I don't think Stanford has nearly as much talent I, I, as UCLA. I know you don't think they do. But I really don't think that there's a lot UCLA of UCLA is clearly more talented than Stanford. Thank you. All right, Jack. I think that's uh, yeah. without question. Um, I, I think they're the team that ASU should be more scared of. I think Stanford has Casey Akpala. He's a very good player. Uh, they've got Josh Sharma and Oscar De Silva, who are decent players. But I, I don't think that team who should have be given able... ASU problems in the past. That's right. Though. ASU's super comfortable with playing guys like Jalen Hands and Chris Wilkes, and they're not comfortable playing they're just long very forwards. Very comfortable against the, that, that t- those types. I would be more scared of UCLA, but that's why we all have our own uh, our own beliefs on this. Uh, predictions, though. For the tournament, what do you guys think ASU does? Well, I think they I think they win their first game, uh, but I'm not going to predict anything more than that. After that, they could see Utah in the semifinals. The or three Oregon. I think Oregon is actually maybe one of the scariest teams. Oregon. Oregon I would agree with that. Oregon has the second highest probability to win the entire tournament, according to Ken Pong. Yeah, yeah. they're the, they're the scariest non-by team for sure, and maybe the scariest just team in this tournament. I, I find I, I don't know probabilities of who's going to win the Pac-12. Oregon tournament. has been playing. No, they've been playing good basketball. <laughs> Probably they've the also, best basketball. They've, they've won lost, eight out of ten. They they've also they've also lost, lost a, a game in which they had a twenty-point lead at home to UCLA. I think nobody's safe in, in this January. In January. Yeah, uh, it was the end of January. It was basically February. Um, it was okay, a while, right, it was a while bet, ago. Keep betting man. against Dana Altman. Let's see how that works out. I will for this season. Who do you think's going to win Utah versus Oregon? I think Utah probably. Uh, wow. Oregon. 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 
Okay, put me on that ledge. That's fine. I, I got Utah in that game. Utah's been playing very good basketball. I think that they would have a pretty good chance in that. Um, so, so wait, wait, what do you? I, I think ASU only wins one game in the Pac-12 tournament. Me too. It's tough because because I I do think that they'll probably escape their their first game, and then it, it kind of depends on the matchup. If it's if it's Utah, I think ASU has a better chance than if it's Oregon. I think the opposite. I, agree. I yeah. think that ASU would have a better chance against Oregon than Utah. Wow. I don't. I would after a twenty-eight what? point loss. They just the lost last by matchup? twenty-eight. I, I I think that ASU <laughs> would have a tougher time against Utah. That's my opinion on the matter. If ASU plays Utah, I think that it, it will win too. Actually, I would say the same thing. Me say too. But don't thing. worry, yeah, Rob. If if it pans I, out against if your prediction pans out, you can. Uh, oh, I know. Throw it back. Who, in who my do you face. guys think is who do you, what do you think is going to be the finals matchup? Washington, Oregon. That's what I think. That's where I was going. And that's a that's a real toss up to me. I definitely think Washington. I think it's a crapshoot to get out that other side. I could I'm also leaning see, toward Utah on that side. Though. I could also see I think Washington Utah's a losing, good though. basketball team. They're well coached. They play. Cedric they play Barefield good. is ultra random, and he, and he. That's why I think that a tournament is perfect for him. Not, yeah, he could be bad, and he's they could probably lose not going to be. He's probably not going to be on. Every, he's had good games in the Pac-12 tournament before. He's had going to be on for three games in a row, though. That's tough. I mean, that's tough to do. But I, I also could see Washington I, bowing I mean, out think, earlier than a lot of people think. I mean, they definitely. don't. They don't score nearly as much as an ASU, but. But, I mean, yeah, their defense is, is really good. But Washington could be a team that actually loses rather early in this tournament. We could so, see an Oregon-Oregon State finals. We could. We could. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious what you guys think. If ASU loses its first game, is it a lock in the NCAA tournament? No. All no right. It's not a lock. No. A so, lock is like 100%. Yeah, I it's mean, not a lock. okay. There's well, no way. most 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 Here, most bracket experts me, are putting Arizona State currently currently inside inside not, their brackets. But maybe they wouldn't. So if they lost. That's yeah, so, the question. So here here's here's why I'd argue no. Um, in the last five years, teams that finished with an RPI above seventy outside of the top seventy, they never make it. One team made it in the last five years, and that was that Syracuse team a few years back. That was a surprise when it got in, and then made a deep run. ASU right now in the net, which is effectively replacing RPI on the team sheets this year. ASU right now in the net is 67. If it loses to UCLA or Stanford, either of them, they're both outside the top 100 in net, it's a quad three game. If ASU loses either of those games, it's a pretty safe bet that, that the Sun Devils are going to drop outside the top 70, probably the the mid, maybe as low as like 74, 75. They've had drops like that before. The losing, problem, the problem though, Jack, like that. It, that's true, but Ned is new and it's the first year. And I, I just like from talking to people, they're still like chitter chatter, you know, about like the RPI and ASU's RPI is like in the forties. And so I just think that that's going to influence people, even though it probably shouldn't, isn't actually going to be on the team sheets. I mean, yeah. But okay. Well, the, the, the chair of the committee is, when was this article written? February 20th. Quote, to be honest with you, I'm not looking at the RPI anymore. And okay. I think that's the way most of the committee members are going to look you at can't, it. But you can't separate yourself from the yeah. information that you actually know. Well, okay, well, that's and fair. if you know that ASU's RPI is a lot higher than the net I, and the net's new, I think that's going to shape... The, well, let's you, assume... Okay, but the whole point of the the whole point of the net is that it's... that. It is, it is replacing yes. the RPI. So, yes. so in terms of... But how good is the net? 
See, if you, if I'm a committee member, I'm saying I think to myself, members, is the net really good? I think most Am I com- just gonna bank no, no, on I this? I mean, committee we also I don't know. Flawed. We also don't know the conversation I, that I the think committee has had. Like, the whole point please, is, the, the, the everybody point, make sure to not. I think, I think what's more likely is, I think what's more likely than that is that the the committee follows the net closer than it ever did the RPI. Because the whole point of the net is that it's supposed to be improved on the RPI because it takes in analytics and all these other things. To me, that's what seems more likely. Either I'm way, very skeptical. Either there way, the, 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 the point, the point, I think it's fair. <laughs> yeah, what was that? What was that? <laughs> I just like how Jack's anyway, on his tangent. Can you continue? The, 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 the argument I'm making here is that the net is effectively replacing the RPI on the team sheets. So if you look at how teams finish in the RPI, if you finished outside the top 70, very rarely, almost never, especially in the last five years, did teams make the tournament. But, the net also is not the RPI. You can say it's, it's replacing the RPI, but the, but the net is not equal to the RPI. It's replacing the RPI. That's fair. But so you're you're going on yeah, you're going RPI on. history, and the net has no but history. That is the that is the idea is that the the net and its value to the way teams are selected is going to be okay. similar to the RPI. It's it's the then closest. If, if they felt like. Then why would they have replaced the RPI? Because the RPI was a flawed metric. They didn't and, look at and, analytics. And, and they probably should also perceive the net as because it's new, as something that's not I think tried pe- and true. I, I All right, guys, we're going putting, circles. On I think this. most people are putting a lot of credibility in the net because okay. it follows. The bottom line is yeah. that that we don't know what's going to happen. If they lose, they're definitely not a lock. We all agree yeah. on that, right? Do you think that they make the tournament? Yes or no? If they lose the first game, and are they in Dayton in the first four if they lose the first game? If they lose the first game, I think I think I think they make the tournament as long as there's not a couple bid stealers. So yeah. if there's a couple bid stealers, I think they're like one of the one or two last teams in and they're playing in Dayton and they could get bounced if the bubble shrinks. If they win, I think they're on the line for Dayton and it comes down to how much like, does the committee value the their impressive quad one, quad two records over some of their There's losses? There's only 12 I think or right 13 the, teams in the country that have a better quad one, two record than yeah. ASU. And yet, like, if you, like, I, I go back to the net, <laughs> it, there is there is no <laughs> okay, team. Okay. Just hang on, hang on. There is, if you look at the net, there is no team below ASU in the net rankings that is even, that is a bubble consideration right now. And that, so that's why it's going to be. That tells you that maybe the net's a little bit flawed. No, I, I don't think the net is flawed. Do you trust oh, Ken Palm rankings? I, I I know that Ken Palm has ASU roughly in the same area. Well, it has most teams in roughly the same area. Yes. Yeah. So, like, I think if they win, they're probably right on the bubble. I think they're if they win, they're maybe going to Dayton, maybe not. If they lose, it's going to be tight to Mason? make the tournament. I would say that if they win, they're in a pretty good spot just because looking at Lenardi's bracket, I think they were a 10 seed. Some other ones, I saw them at 11. So if they win, I mean, I think, like like we've said, they, they were trending up heading into March. They'd be winners of six of their last seven. Um, if they lose, I would definitely put them closer to Dayton, obviously. I do think they would be in that in that area. But either way, I, I think they're, the odds of them making the tournament are higher than, than half. I would agree with that. I'll make mine mine short. I think that they most likely win their first game. I don't think they win after that. And I think that with that, they get into the tournament. I see Dayton as the biggest possibility if they only win their first game. That's just my belief. Uh, let's move on Whoa, to— I didn't get to make my opinion. You didn't make your opinion? All right, make your opinion, boss. 
I think if they lose, they're still going to make the tournament, but they're going to be in the first four unless some crazy shrinkage <laughs> happens. The Seinfeld reference there, I guess. <laughs> uh, and then I think if they win one game, I think that they are going to be uh, like a 10 seed. Fun fact about Chris, he's watched all Seinfeld episodes. You said at least once, right? I mean, yeah. Just a little fun it's fact really, for our subscribers. That's it's, all. It's really not that impressive. All right, that's if a fun you'd fact. Watched each like at I've, least five I had, times. Jack, Jack, you gave your opinion about this, didn't you? Yeah. What? Yeah, you did. Okay, that's what I thought. All right, on we're Seinfeld moving on. Or the no, not <laughs> on about Seinfeld. Not man. on Seinfeld. On if ASU, on if ASU, what ASU is going to do in the Pac-12 tournament, and if it only wins the first okay. game, where we've it worn, is. we've worn it. Yeah, out. well, that's what I thought. All right, we're going to move on. Uh, Zylan Cheatham named the first team in the Pac-12 yesterday. Remy Martin and Lou Dort named to the second team. Zylan and Lou, all defensive Pac-12 team as well. Chris, your thoughts? Well, I, I, I actually posed this question on Twitter and then on our board. If you were going to rank the ASU players in terms of most deserving of first team status, what would your one, two, three be for ASU? Because I, I thought there would be big differences of opinion about that. Actually, most people thought that Remy Martin should have been a first teamer and followed by uh, Zylan Cheatham and Dort was third. I had Dort third, but I had I actually had Cheatham first. Cheatham ended up being, of course, the, as you said, the only first teamer. I thought Remy Martin really uh, got screwed. Like, yeah, the I understand that it was interesting the way it was done. For I sure. well, see, McKinley Wright was playing with a a bad shoulder all season, and I guess he needs to have surgery. And but his, his stats were just clearly worse than than Remy in terms of the average points per game, assists per game, assist to turnover ratio, and which it, is huge for a point guard. Yeah, That's a, and ASU was a better team, so I don't just don't know like objectively how you look at McKinley Wright and go, yeah, you know he, you know he's better um, than than the, the season that that Remy Martin had. So I personally think that it should have been. Cheatham and Remy on the first team, Dorn on the second team, and I under, I agree with I had nine out of ten right. That was the one I missed, and then I had I, I the all defensive team I actually got exactly right, and the freshman team. What's he done, boss? I think I had four out of five. What, what do you guys think about how would you rank those one, two, three, and how did it come out? I'm in the same boat as you. I I would have had uh, Cheatham at one, and then Remy on the first team as well. Um, Dort on the second team, but I mean, for Colorado to have two players on the first team, they have Tyler Bay and they have McKinley Wright. Um, Tyler Bay, I think had a stronger case. Um, I mean, he was, he was probably the league's most improved player or, or, or definitely one of, um, but he like won Chris, he won the most improved, I think. Right. right. He did. He yeah. So, so, but, but for McKinley Wright to be, to be on the list over Remy Martin, I mean, the stats literally speak for themselves. Remy in, in non-conference, um, uh, he missed the first, couple games of the season with the ankle injury and then comes back and, and obviously provided the spark. But then in conference play, all I, I think his stats went up in scoring assists and assisted turnover ratio all improved yeah. and they were all better than McKinley Wright's. Um, and then the other guard, I think Cedric Bearfield of Utah, I think had a better argument for over McKinley Wright as well. I would, I would also agree with so, that. So, yeah, the I fact, agree. yeah, I, I just, and ASU finished second in the conference. I think Colorado finished near seven or eight or somewhere near there. So I think all the stats speak for themselves for for an argument for Remy Martin to be on that first team. One thing we haven't said also is Lou is Pac-12 freshman of the year. I want to make sure that we mention that. Yeah, which, I mean, he was the only guy in the first or second team ballot, too, that right. was a freshman. So um, I think, yeah, I agree with you guys. I guess if I was playing devil's advocate here, um, 
Remy Martin had a lot of he had a lot of not so great games in the Pac-12, and then he had some really big games that I think helped lifted some of his Pac-12 stats. And if you look at it from like the way coaches are voting, I think there were a lot of nights where you watched ASU play, and Remy Martin was not clearly the first or second best player on the floor. Whereas most times Colorado played, McKinley Wright yeah. was. Um, and he's also surrounded by less talent. I think that would be like the only way you could argue that selection. But yeah, I think from a stat standpoint and just a, a player standpoint, Martin Martin's as good or better than McKinley Wright, and then had better stats on top. Of Everybody it, so. had bad games though. It's not like who. But, I, but that I, is an interesting point by yeah, Jack, I, and it was one that I thought about a little bit yesterday, just in the fact that there were times when he was a little bit underwhelming. When I think he was still dealing with the hamstring and just not a hundred percent. And, and there were games when he would it seemed like he would do enough to put his team in a good position to win and wouldn't you know try to fill the stat sheet, which is also what you want out of a player, but it's just something that I'm sure mattered a little bit. Okay, so we're now going to move on uh, from ASU basketball to ASU baseball. 15-0 for the Sun Devils. Wait, they, what? 15-0. Wow. They, they just so? cracked uh, the NCAA rankings uh, for Division One baseball. Are they twenty fifth in the nation, Chris. Se- why are they? Tw- why did they just get ranked? Second, second week in uh, in one of the rankings, and first and week in another. He's a coach's, coaches poll. poll. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I follow baseball. Why are they? Why did they just get ranked, Chris? If they're fifteen, no. Can you tell our our fans? Well, I think ranked? Rob and I have a little bit of a difference of opinion on this. I think that um, Rob, Rob thinks that the schedules is being weak led to ASU being, you know, kind of a wait and see with a lot of the voters. That's probably true to some degree. I think even more so, though, is uh, ASU is just dramatically off its historical success and was such a bad team in recent years with a coach that a lot of people felt like should be fired that now a lot of people were taking more of a wait and see uh, approach. And the the rank the top twenty five we're talking about is the D one baseball dot com. Yeah. It's not a it's not a poll of national writers uh, that vote on this thing. So that sort of scenario can like it's More easier. I think. Yeah. yeah, when there's fewer people collaborating yeah. that have. The I think power, it's a mixture yeah. of the two. Them knowing, all right, we don't think ASU is very good. This they they came into the season expecting ASU to not be that good. I think D one baseball picked ASU sixth in, in the Pac twelve. Yeah. Coupled with they haven't really beaten anybody to change to change your minds on that. Like I, I'm still in the same ish boat. They're doing better than I thought. I'm still not sold on them. I mean, I've said it. I'll say the same thing. I'm still not sold that, that they're going to be able to make the tournament just because of some of the limitations well, they have. Oh, I but, think they're making the tournament because when you start 15 and 0, it dramatically makes the, the things Pac-12, you have to do after that. That is less. true. But the, the Pac-12 is very good this year. How many Pac-12 teams typically make the postseason? Three to five, yeah, yeah in there, right, right around there, and and, and ASU's what fourth in the rankings or f- in the pack like an RPI right now. They're six in the country, but there's three Pac-12 teams ahead of them. Yeah, and Stanford, are- Oregon, and UCLA. Thank you. Yeah, so UCLA. UCLA is ranked second in the country. Oregon State's third. Stanford's fourth. It's going to be very tough for Arizona. So we know State that they're going. Those three play. teams are going to be extremely good. So, yeah. so that means ASU's in that bubble sort of category as it sort of projects but the 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 rankings and all that stuff it shouldn't uh you know take more of a a a conversation than just the how impressive that the 15 and 0 start is And, and that's the thing that i think is important to note you know you can talk about how they haven't played 
great teams in the non-conference and how they've gotten wins over teams that aren't viewed as as talented as other teams in the country, but they've still had to go out and get 15 consecutive wins. That's not easy to do, especially in a sport like baseball where talent isn't always the difference in a ball game. And I think it's just an impressive feat for this team because it is still a pretty young team. That's a good point. Confidence in baseball can become contagious. Yeah. Right. There's baseball is a different kind of a sport because it's about like, you know, getting on runs and being hot in the collective right. and it's then a being more than just talent, being able to kind of, you know, build and sustain that. And they're in a really good place in that regard right now. And that makes them probably even better than they actually are. Right. And Jack's weekend recap of Arizona State as they swept Xavier. I mean, he included the, the quote from Spencer Torkelson. They think that they're going to win every day they're coming. It seems like a different vibe in the clubhouse mm-hmm. than we've seen in previous years. And, They've exercised the demons. And if they can if they can defeat uh, New Mexico State this week in their midweek game, uh, they will be 16-0 heading into uh, the conference schedule for the first time since 2010. 2010, they started 24-0. I'm very interested to see New Mexico State, which has far and away the best offensive stats uh, in the country. ASU is like – they're bad. NMSU is a team is batting above 400 – ASU is second in the country, and they're batting three. Who's pitching for 50. ASU? It'll, I don't know yet. I think it'll probably be a combination of a few guys. I think we'll see Eric Tolman in that My game. My guess probably. is Tolman would start, but he pitched three innings on Saturday, so he pitched three really good innings yeah. though. So I think Tracy would want to use him. So yeah. this is a good test to see what happens with the the pitching question and, that and we I, talked about. Yeah, and I think they caught maybe a little bit of a break with the way uh, last midweek, the, the second Fullerton game ended yeah, up getting canceled. Now, was... Eric Tolman might have been able, Eric Tolman might have been able to pitch a full game on that Wednesday, but then he probably wouldn't have been able to come back and pitch three right. more innings on Saturday. So I think the the way things have shaped up with the pitching staff so far, that's been the biggest surprise to me is how, how well all of the starters have done getting deep into games and how the bullpen, they've been able to manage it well and, I mean, the bullpen's just pitched well between Eric Tolman and Blake Brazell and Chaz Montoya and some of these other guys they have back there. Uh, and we'll see and, against some better hitting teams. Yeah, exactly. And just but, quickly, the team the team started its first game. The season opener was on February 15th. The team is going to go on the road for the second time on March 22nd at Oregon. This has been a very nice schedule for the Sun Devils. I think facing Washington State to open up Pac-12 play at home is as good as you can hope for. Um I'll be interested in seeing if they can potentially get to close to 20-0. and 0. Uh, It's possible. Their next five are all at home against teams that aren't great. Uh, that you would if you get, get to 20-0, like, it, it's really hard to not 15, make 15-0, no, I think you're making the tournament most likely. You'd have to have a <laughs> 20 really— 20-0, oh, like— Yeah. Um, this team could go up, and I project that they will. I would assume 19-1 and 1 or 20-0 and 0, uh, come that trip to Eugene. But we're going to have a lot more baseball coverage and a lot more reporting on that. Um, for staff reporters Jack Harris and Mason Kern, as well as site publisher Chris Cartman, I'm your host Rob Warner saying so long and thank you for tuning in.